It's Wednesday, August the 19th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the S&P 500's new high and a military coup in Mali. First, the world in brief. America's S&P 500 stock market index closed at a record high, 3,389.79. It had reached its previous peak on February 19th, before fear of the pandemic's economic effects took hold. The index has risen by more than 50% since the low on March 23rd, driven by tech giants' performance. Meanwhile, the dollar fell to its lowest in two years against leading currencies, as lawmakers are yet to agree on COVID stimulus measures to support the fragile economy. A year and a half after the Mueller report, a congressional committee has concluded that members of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign did, after all, collude with Russian intelligence agents. The Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee went further than the special counsel's investigation, which Mr Trump dismissed as a witch hunt. It even raised the possibility of a compromising affair with a former Miss Moscow. Luis Dujoy, America's Postmaster General, said he was suspending operational changes to the US Postal Service until after November's elections. The changes, which included the elimination of overtime, had sparked fears that postal votes could be delayed. Some 20 states had said they would sue. Donald Trump has said he does not want widespread voting by mail. Ibrahim Boubraka Qatar, the president of Mali, was forced to resign today after being arrested by rebel soldiers in an apparent coup yesterday. Mr Qatar dissolved the parliament too and said he wished to advert bloodshed. Earlier in the day, gunfire had been heard coming from a military camp near Bamako, the capital, where junior officers had reportedly taken control. A United Nations-backed tribunal found Zalim Jayesh guilty in absentia of killing Rafiq Hariri, a former Lebanese prime minister, and 21 others in a bomb attack in Beirut in 2005. Three other defendants were acquitted. Though all four were members of Hezbollah, a political party and militia, the judges found no evidence that Hezbollah's leadership or Syria, a backer of the group, was involved. Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister of Australia, announced a deal with AstraZeneca, a drug manufacturer, to secure a COVID-19 vaccine the company is developing. If the vaccine works, the Australian government will buy enough doses for the country's 25 million people, offering the treatment free of charge. Cases in Australia have risen recently, leading some states to impose lockdowns. And to the relief of editors and readers alike, newspapers will no longer have to describe Joe Biden as the presumptive Democratic nominee. He was confirmed as the party's candidate for America's presidential election in November at the Democrats' virtual convention. He had been the only one left in the race since April, when his final challenger, Bernie Sanders, dropped out. And now here's today's agenda. Grounded. Latin American Airlines. Times have been turbulent for Latin American flag carriers. Aeromexico executives will appear in a New York court today to continue its restructuring, hoping to take advantage of America's favourable bankruptcy procedures. It is the third large Latin American airline to do so since the COVID-19 pandemic began, following Chile's LATAM and Colombia's Avianca. Even before the pandemic, they were in a tailspin. Delta Airlines, a large American carrier, took a stake in Aeromexico in 2017 and in LATAM in 2019, hoping to get into Latin America's fast-growing air market. United, a competitor, invested heavily in Avianca in 2018. But high taxes, volatile currencies and faltering economies caused profits to stall. 
LATAM share price took a nosedive in 2018, with Aeromexico's following in 2019, while Avianca has struggled with heavy debts. With their home governments unwilling to bail them out, the three have pinned their hopes on New York's courts to right them. Epitaph on a Tyrant The EU discusses Belarus When it comes to rigged elections, five may be one too many for the EU. Today, European leaders convened digitally to discuss the Belarusian election on August 9th, in which Alexander Lukashenko, whose dictatorship has lasted 26 years, harvested a suspicious 80% of the vote. After the result was announced, Belarusians took to the streets in protest. Many were beaten, shot at with rubber bullets and tear gas, or jailed for their troubles. So far, the West's response has been feeble. But on August 14th, European foreign ministers ventured to state the obvious. The vote was neither free nor fair. Today they will discuss what they intend to do about that. Mr Lukashenko has said that Russia's President Vladimir Putin offered him military assistance. By cutting Mr Lukashenko some slack, the West makes it more likely that he will continue to use violence against his own people. That may drive him into Mr Putin's arms. Religious Fever COVID-19 in South Korea For weeks, South Koreans worried more about one of the wettest monsoon seasons on record than COVID-19. But in the past week, new infections have risen faster than at any time since the initial outbreak. Back in spring, most of the infected were members of Xinjiangji, a secretive evangelical sect. This time, the biggest cluster emerged at a conservative evangelical church in Seoul. Jung Kwong-hoon, the church's leader and a prominent critic of Moon Jae-in, South Korea's president, tested positive after speaking at a large anti-government rally over the weekend, where he claimed that outsiders spread the virus to the church to silence its political activism. Authorities have been unable to reach some of the faithful, who reportedly defied quarantine orders to attend the protest. Mr John has told his followers that God will heal them. Pending divine intervention, preventing the looming second wave will still fall to earthly authorities. Back from the brink, OPEC's meeting. Ministers from the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and its allies meet today. The oil market has recovered from the dark days of April, when COVID-19 decimated demand, storage tanks filled to near capacity, and crude futures were briefly deemed less than worthless. In recent months, persistent Chinese buying has helped support prices. Signs that new infection rates may be slowing in America have added to the sense of optimism. But OPEC's task remains a delicate one. The cartel and its allies slashed output in May by 9.7 million barrels a day, the largest cut ever, equal to about 10% of pre-pandemic demand. The group now plans to return some additional supply to the market, though Saudi Arabia is pressing Iraq and other allies not to open the floodgates too much. Yet the risk of a second wave of infection remains, and concerns are growing that China's buying spree may subside. Panalongian Optimism Myanmar's Troubled Peace Talks When the first 21st century Panglong Conference was held in 2016, Burmese dared to dream of an end to the many civil wars that have ravaged Myanmar since its founding. Today, as Myanmar's de facto leader Aung San Suu Kyi, the Burmese army and several ethnic minority groups gather for a fresh round of talks, such hope seems naive. When Ms Suu Kyi was elected in 2015, just 20% of insurgents had signed a ceasefire designed to facilitate political dialogue. Since then, she has not convinced the rest to come to the negotiating table, or managed to advance talks with those who did. Myanmar's powerful army has not helped. 
it has repeatedly broken the terms of the ceasefire. But Ms. Chushi has also made missteps by failing to address the grievances of ethnic minorities. With elections due in November, Ms. Chushi will try to make progress, however slight, towards peace. Observers doubt any will be made. Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Dryden, who was born on August 9th, 1631. Truth is the foundation of all knowledge and the cement of all societies. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.